Planned Parenthood challenged a sanctuary city for the unborn and lost. The United States Congress introduces a bill that would eliminate pro-life laws and allow abortion until birth. A judge in Argentina issues a ruling that could turn back the clock on legal abortion. The European Union passes a radical statement on abortion and sexuality. A new children's book is being released that further normalizes abortion for kids and more coming right up. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Pulse. My name is Peter, host of the show, and with me again is my good friend and wonderful co-host, Cameron. How are you, sir? I am doing very well. Thank you, Peter. I hope you are well as well. And thank you to you, our wonderful audience, for tuning in to this, our monthly roundup of the most important and interesting abortion-related news from around the world, spoken to from a pro-life perspective. I hope that you enjoy the show. I hope that you learned something new, and I hope that it empowers you to do more pro-life work. Let's dive into it, Peter. Absolutely. Now, in past episodes of The Pulse, we brought to your attention the growing popularity of sanctuary cities for the unborn. Cities have been passing ordinances declaring their cities to be safe havens for preborn children where abortions of all types are made illegal. We also mentioned that the abortion industry is not really sure how to respond to these cities, um, but that doesn't mean that they're going away, that, that, and that doesn't mean they're going to be quiet. Planned Parenthood filed a lawsuit to challenge the city of Lubbock, Texas, which had passed such an ordinance in May. Lubbock, which has an estimated population of just under 260,000 people and has an active abortion clinic, passed the ordinance to protect preborn children, stating, and I quote, abortion at all times and all stages of pregnancy is declared to be an act of murder, end quote. The ordinance makes it illegal to procure or perform an abortion or to aid or abet an abortion within the city limits. Now, Planned Parenthood argued against this, stating that the ordinance is invalid because it violates federal constitutional rights and is preempted by state law. However, the federal court dismissed the challenge to Lubbock, stating that, and I quote, the court dismisses the case for lack of jurisdiction, end quote. And so what's at play here, and this is very interesting for us in the pro-life movement, and that is that while states have to uh, you know, create laws in accordance with Roe versus Wade and can be challenged based on Roe versus Wade, Roe versus Wade has no jurisdiction over city ordinances, and that's how these cities can create such laws. Thomas, the Thomas Morrill Society special counsel Eric Cardell said, and I quote, cities have the right to regulate businesses and practices within their bounds. A municipality may choose to allow gambling or even prostitution or may criminalize it. Abortion is a business driven by profit and is required to abide by municipal regulations, end quote. Yeah, Peter, I think this is really encouraging, this ruling from the federal judge. Um, as you mentioned, there's now over 30 sanctuary cities spread through three states in America. Obviously, we're a long ways off from having the Los Angeleses and Atlantas and New Yorks of the world um, become sanctuary cities. And yet this is really encouraging that this is one of the only sanctuary cities that has an active abortion facility within the city limits. And this was upheld. And so this should, and I hope will, empower more and more cities to adopt these sanctuary city statuses to ensure that preborn children within their city limits are protected. 
to ensure that um, the educational value is passed on to the members of their society, um, and ultimately that we can move towards decreasing the number of abortions that are happening across America. This is a larger town than many of the other sanctuary cities um, in that many of them are, are very small. With over 250,000 people, it's a relatively large city, and so this should bode well for more and more cities coming on board and becoming safe sanctuary cities for preborn children in America. That's right. Yeah, 32 cities at time of recording have uh, considered themselves sanctuary cities for the unborn. So super encouraging, and we're excited to see this movement grow. Moving on, the Women's Health Protection Act, or the WHPA of 2021, has been reintroduced into the U.S. Congress. This act has been hailed by supporters as the bill that will ensure equal access to abortion for all. Now, currently in the United States, there are loopholes, health of the mother loopholes, including financial health, familial health, age, or other reasons that allow abortion up until birth. And, and this, is, this became legal in the Supreme Court decision Doe versus Bolton. But the WHPA goes further than current law. And it, and it virtually stands, bans states from even restricting abortion after viability when it is considered possible for the preborn child to survive outside of the womb. The bill could also wipe out conscience protections, parental notification laws, and informed consent laws. The act states that, and I quote, a healthcare provider has a statutory right to provide abortion services, and that provider's patient has a corresponding right to receive such services without a limitation or requirement that, that impedes access to abortion services, end quote. Now, according to Live Action News, the bill calls abortion essential to women's health and central to a woman's ability to participate equally in the economic and social life of the nation, which in our estimation is an anti-feminist and anti-woman idea that at its core labels women as unequal to men without the right to end the life of their preborn child. Yes, the tug of war continues at the federal level. Obviously, in the past administration, we saw um, tremendous strides forward for the pro-life movement. We had to know that this tug of war was going to continue with the Biden administration. So encouraging news happening at the municipal and city-state level. This incredibly discouraging news coming from the federal administration that would, as you mentioned, limit the, the ability of states that have worked so hard to advance pro-life legislation to offer safeguards for preborn children and for their mothers and fathers as well. Um, this is going to be a massive blow if it were to pass. There's a tremendous amount of work to be done with the pro-life movement within um, Christian um, churches and homes and whatnot, mobilizing to ensure that this bill doesn't pass. Because not only is this a battle that um, pivots around the lives of preborn children, but it's going into that language, as you mentioned, Peter, that it is trying to redefine abortion as a women's right, making it central to basic women's health. This is going to be the battle that is fought over the coming years and arguably decades, I'm sure, as to not only the language of the abortion debate, but as the language goes, so too tragically will children go. And so we need to stand in defense of these children. We need to oppose this. We need to encourage our elected representatives and those that are advocating um, or even uncertain about this bill 
to prevent it from going into law because this will increase the bloodshed in the country. It will further confuse the nation um, and tragically bring about even more um, collateral damage in this culture war that is raging on as we speak. Um, we, we absolutely need to fight this with whatever we can. Yeah, and, and as those who are in the culture war or are familiar with the abortion war know, this battle is not just limited to the United States. One of the, the key ways that abortion, the abortion industry has normalized abortion internationally, they've been able to utilize organizations such as the United Nations, the European Union, and other supranational institutions to label abortion as healthcare or a human right, which is, as you're mentioning, Cam, really like redefining what a human right is and uh, and using sort of euphemisms to talk about abortion. Now that's currently going on at the European Union with the so-called Matic report. According to Citizen Go, the report has the official title, The Situation of Sexual and Reproductive Health and Rights in the EU from the Perspective of Women's Health. The most serious aspect of the report is that it considers abortion as a human right and advocates for abortion without any restriction. The report calls for the removal of barriers to access abortion like waiting periods, the denial of medical care based on personal beliefs, counseling, or any third-party authorization. And they go on to say that if the Matic report is adopted, it would not only be a gross interference into the sovereignty of member states, but also the imposition of abortion on demand policies without any restrictions. And so the recent Polish ban on eugenic abortion, for example, would be put on hold if abortion is considered a human right by the European Union. Now, organizations have taken a stand against this. There was a lot of pressure uh, from pro-life organizations, but the, the pro-abortion uh, advocates, those with, with a lot of weight, a lot of power, a lot of money, um, were pushing as well, and the European Parliament was under intense pressure. And so according to the Malta Independent, the report was ultimately approved by 378 votes to 255, with 42 members of the European Parliament abstaining from the vote. The Malta Independent also states that the report is non-binding. And so now we wait and see to see how pro-life member states are going to deal with this. States like Malta and others with pro-life laws, uh, restrictions against abortion, uh, we're going to wait and see. It's going to be interesting to see how they are going to respond to this Matic report. Yeah, as much as it, it's um, common for, for conservatives to, to scoff at entities like the, the EU, like the UN, these kangaroo courts that are, are seemingly bringing in whatever whims they have, whatever pressure they're getting from the billionaires of our world or whatever it may be, we have to acknowledge that, that they are having the influence of restricting tremendous activity of these pro-life nations and whatnot. And so we absolutely need to build up those um, nations and and challenge this in, in uh, I know that I mentioned it before, in whatever way we have opportunity to do so, because this is going to come to a head. This is going to come to a head, whether it's in Northern Ireland, where they're fighting tooth and nail over abortion right now, whether it's in Poland, whether it's in Malta. Obviously, it, it sounds easy to jump out of the EU. It sounds easy to stand up to the EU. But as we know, as Jonathan Van Maren, our colleague here at CCBR, has chronicled through um, his book, Patriots, The Untold Story of Ireland's Pro-Life Movement, the EU has tremendous sway because of the number of other um, economic and social um, 
kind of issues that they hold hostage towards these pro-life nations and whatnot. And so we, we certainly pray for courage for these pro-life nations. We pray for um, massive change within the EU um, and the EU parliament. And it will be fascinating to see how this plays out in practice throughout Europe, um, countries that are part of the European Union, countries that are considering becoming part or considering leaving the European Union. And with that, we head down to South America on the very first episode of The Pulse, one of the very first stories we reported on. Uh, we told you about how the Congress of Argentina narrowly legalized abortion after failing to do so or declining to do so uh, only two years earlier in 2018. Now, abortion activists were ecstatic and they were predicting a green wave across South America that would lead to the legalization of abortion throughout the content and all, a whole bunch of of other uh, nations as well. And while international pressure remains high, pro-lifers have not been silent. They've been acting and fighting for the rights of pre-born children, not just in those other nations, but also in Argentina, even after uh, the, the legalization of abortion. Now on June 7th, there was a significant judicial ruling in the battle to turn back the clock on legal abortion in Argentina. According to Alfredo Vitolo, who's a professor in Argentina of constitutional law and human rights, he said a federal court in the city of Mar del Plata, one of the largest cities in the country, has issued a preliminary injunction. The judge granted the preliminary injunction, taking into consideration a number of things, including the paramount nature of the rights at stake, including the first and most fundamental right, the right to life. And the judge's words... Denying in this case the injunction would cause irreparable harm, which harm will be difficult to repair at a later moment. In the case at stake, I consider that the risk to be sufficiently present since the rights of unborn children are threatened by the law. He continues by saying an uncountable number of boys and girls are to be born or to be born may suffer death since this very moment. And the final decision to be rendered shall not be able to remediate their situation in the future, end quote. Now, we don't know how this is going to play out, but it does appear clear that the abortion war in Argentina is not over. And there is still a chance that what was done last December to legalize abortion in Argentina can still be undone. Yeah, we are very, very encouraged by this um response from the pro-life movement, um, the blue wave that um, is is pushing back against this abortion access drive in South America and around the world, super encouraged by that. And it just shows to, uh, goes to show that pro-lifers are not going down without a fight. It's incredibly encouraging to see the work of those working in South America. I know many of the listeners of this show are tuning in from various places in South and Central America um, and certainly want to give them a shout out and encourage them to continue up their pro-life work. Similar battles obviously raging um, around the world, as we mentioned in Ireland as well. Pro-lifers pushing back that this is not a finished deal. I know that um, abortion advocates would love nothing more than to call the debate ended and finished and for everyone to go home and simply deal with um, the aftermath of legalizing the slaughter of pre-born children. However, pro-lifers are remaining active and not just pro-lifers. Very, very... Um, kind of 
unbiased people as well. Obviously, we have a federal judge here in, in Argentina who is ruling on this. I'm sure that he may be pro-life himself. However, this is not coming from some bishop or from some pastor or something like this. This is coming from the federal court in Argentina. Very, very encouraging. And we hope that pro-lifers can continue to encourage the politicians and that um, lawyers, judges, and all those involved in that legal process as well um, work faithfully to ensure that all humans get human rights and that those human rights begin when a human's life begins. Absolutely. Now, we talk a lot about what's happening on the international level, on the political level, but there's a new children's book available, and it's not a good one. The, the, the title of this book is What's an Abortion Anyway? This children's book has been produced by two abortion doulas. One whose name is Mar, who utilizes the pronouns they, them, is a brown gender queer who uses the name Emulsify, and Carly Maines, who describes herself as white queer, as a white queer woman who has been practicing ab- uh, who has been a practicing abortion doula for over six years, supporting more than two thousand individuals during their in clinic procedures. According to the authors, What's an Abortion Anyway is a medically accurate, non-judgmental, gender-inclusive resource for young folks about abortion care. In this book, you'll learn about what abortion is, they say, some of the reasons that people get abortions, and a few of the ways people might feel feel about those abortions. Now, not surprisingly, this book is rife with disinformation right off the get-go. They describe a miscarriage not as the loss of a baby, but as the process where a pregnancy isn't healthy enough to continue. They use the same sleight of hand to describe killing a baby in the womb or abortion. They say an abortion is when someone decides to stop growing their pregnancy. They go on to explain that there are many ways to quote-unquote remove a pregnancy with pills through a doctor-administered surgical procedure, and they state that abortion is safe because, well, millions of people have them around the world. They also indicate that people or, or women have abortions for different reasons, some because they like the way their family is at the moment, some because they just really can't take care of a baby right now, and some because their doctors say that pregnancy can make them sick. Now, of course, the rest of the book, like I've, the examples I've mentioned already, doesn't refer to babies as babies, but refers to them as pregnancies to ensure that children aren't too traumatized by what abortion actually is. And their hope with this is to get this book into public libraries, libraries, into elementary schools, into the hands of mothers and fathers across the nation and perhaps across the world to teach children about abortion using euphemisms and really not medically correct information, but to really normalize abortion for children as children uh, grow and learn and develop. Yeah, Peter, I I am honestly fascinated to see how this book goes, because from my experience doing activism and outreach across Canada and around the world, I have seen the pure um, intellect of children. The number of times children have turned to their parents and said, Mommy, Daddy, who broke the baby? And, and such a pure understanding of what abortion is. Obviously, this is an attack on their innocence. Obviously, this is a heinous violation of their education and um, something that I'm sure will lead some to an acceptance of abortion and um, having abortions themselves through their teenage and adult years. However, I really genuinely hope that there are many children who simply look up at their parents and say, what are you saying? Was I a pregnancy? Was I a pregnancy? Who could be killed? Who could be ended? 
sort of thing and just watching those parents squirm. I uh, Part of me wishes that I could be a fly on the wall in those experiences. Part of me wishes that I could... Um, excuse the expression, smack them around the head um, to wake them up to what it is that they're subjecting their children to. However, um, obviously, nonviolence, that is an expression and, ex and an expression alone. However, I genuinely hope that the children are smarter than the parents in their response to this book and others that are working to corrupt the minds of our youngest learners and ultimately our youngest victims who will be those parents, who will be um, choosing abortion um, short years later. Hopefully they are have the wherewithal to see through it. Hopefully there's no library in the world that's going to accept this book. But unfortunately, we have seen stranger things happen. And so um, certainly educate your children to make sure they don't kill their children and prepare them for conversations with their friends and family because it is going to be even more necessary than ever when they are in middle school and needing to convince their peers that abortion is not this nice, benign, happy thing that they've been taught, not only by media, but by the books that their parents are bringing home from the library. Yeah, if you want a good book about abortion for children, you can check out Pro-Life Kids, written by Bethany Bomberger of the Radiance Foundation. We have a link to that on our website. You can find that on Jonathan Vimaren's website, thebridgehead.ca. And that's a good book. That's a good pro-life book. You can read it to your children about defending and protecting pre-born children and introducing your children to the movement and to different things that they can do in the fight for pre-born children. And, uh, and so there's a battle here, a battle of children's books, uh, and may the better one win. In a previous episode of The Pulse, we talked to you about how the United Kingdom the Parliament of the United Kingdom enacted the Northern Ireland Act 2019, which created a duty on the Secretary of State to implement abortion reform in Northern Ireland. The, this reform would allow abortion access up until 12 weeks for any reason or no reason at all, and in some cases thereafter. Today we come to you with good news that pro-life campaigners have won high court permission to challenge these new powers allowing the Secretary of State to direct the commissioning of abortion services in Northern Ireland. The Society for the Protection of Unborn Children, or the SPUC, was granted leave to seek a judicial review of regulations that would allow this Secretary of State, who is not answerable to the people, to step in. Mr. Justice Colton ruled that an arguable case has been established and listed a full hearing for the end of the month of June. SPUC's Northern Ireland political officer Liam Gibson said, and I quote, this is not only a threat to unborn children, but it is a threat to devolution settlement. It is supposed to be direct rule from Westminster. It is not supposed to be direct rule from Westminster when it suits Westminster. This is a devolved matter and it makes what the Secretary of State is trying to do invalid, end quote. Yeah, Peter, it's super encouraging to see this work that the um, pro-lifers in Northern Ireland, I'm sure they're getting support and help from those in Ireland as well, um, are able to do because this is an absolutely insane ruling that is seeing um, an unelected official, the Secretary of State, just kind of impose their will upon um, the nation in a way that a lot of people want to think is just an abstract way, but... It's not abstract. The hundreds, if not thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of preborn children who will um, lose their lives at this legislation. And so it's really encouraging that they've gotten this federal ruling that they are now challenging 
how appropriate, how um, legal, how relevant it is to somebody who's not elected, who is imposing their will from the UK, getting all of this pressure from a much more pro-abortion state in England. Um, is going to have in Northern Ireland. And so we, we hope that this um, review, judicial review, and um, the, the pushback from the pro-life movement continues to uh, challenge people, not only in the political sphere, not only in the legal sphere, but also in the educational sphere. We see what has happened in Ireland since abortion was legalized there. All of these promises given by the abortion advocates that abortion would never be cracked open for, for any reason or no reason. It would be simply restricted to a mother's life in danger or these very rare circumstances. We've seen what has happened there. We've seen the explosion of abortion access in Ireland. And we hope that the, those living in Northern Ireland learn from their Southern neighbors that this is not what they want. This is not good for the people of Northern Ireland and certainly not good for the preborn children of Northern Ireland. And so I truly hope that this judicial review is going to produce a result that will continue the protection of preborn children and not open up this wide access to kill them. Absolutely. And with that, we head over to our last story. A baby weighing less than a pound has beaten the odds and has celebrated his first birthday, becoming the most premature baby to survive, according to Guinness Book of Records. When Richard Scott William Hutchinson was born five months prematurely at only 11.9 ounces, his doctors prepared his parents for the worst that he had a 0% chance of survival. And yet, he lived. And after spending more than six months in the hospital, Richard was able to go home to be with his family. Dr. Stacy Kern, who was Richard's neonatalist at Children's Minnesota, said, and I quote, I couldn't believe this was the same little boy who was once so sick that I feared he may not survive. The same little boy that once fit in the palm of my hand with skin so translucent that I could see every rib and vessel in his tiny body. I couldn't help but squeeze him and tell him how proud I was of him, end quote. Yeah, I mean, first thing that springs to my mind, as you give that description of the beauty and um, just the, the accuracy of what he was like at that stage of development so early on in pregnancy, what does that say to abortion laws in Canada and the States and around the world? In Canada, we're allowed to kill preborn children through all nine months of pregnancy. And this child could have been killed for four or five months after they were um, born. And, and fascinating to get this quote from Dr. Stacy Kern, who, as you mentioned, had he and, and the medical team at the hospital had given a 0% chance of survival. I'm sure that they are grateful and thankful um, that um, this, this young boy is alive. And I think this is a massive triumph for, for medicine um, and that we should be doing everything that we can to protect these children um, from as early as possible. It's not just viability. I, I think it's truly beautiful how far back viability is now tracing in, in the recent decade. I'm sure it has moved by more than, more than a couple of weeks already. Medical technology is advancing so quickly. It's so encouraging for these children, for their parents as well, um, who are desperately fighting for the lives of their children. And this is pretty darn cool that, that this kid is going to be going to school and will have not only a little, little corner section in the Guinness Book of World Records, but also that he simply survived. And I think that this is a, a wonderful triumph for, for human life and whatnot. And 
it challenges people. It's going to challenge classmates. I hope that it challenges people who read this news story um, in newspapers or in the Guinness Book of World Records to ask the question, was Richard Hutchinson a baby? Was he a human being deserving of human rights at that stage of development? Because if he deserves human rights, then why not a child just as old within the womb? Should human rights not begin when the human's life begins? This is something that we talk to people at about on, on street corners and on doorsteps uh, across the country. I want to encourage you to do as well, challenging people on this notion that you are somehow either not a human or not a human worthy of human rights until after you were born. Um, this beautiful story of Richard, I think, should bring a little smile to our hearts and to our faces. Um, certainly a a heroic effort by those nurses and doctors and specialists and whatnot working in the um, Children's Minnesota um, Hospital there um, to ensure that Richard did survive. And, and I think this is beautiful. And so if it would be horrifying um, to kill this child after he's born, why not before he's born? This is what we can challenge people with. Um, time and time again. And so this is ending on a good note. This is exciting. I hope that Richard gets a ton of press. I hope that he gets a ton of attention. I hope that he has a wonderful first birthday and many more to come. Um, this is a great note to end on, Peter. Beautiful. Yeah, that's right. That's a good place to end. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to The Pulse for June of 2021. If you haven't yet hit that subscribe button and that little fancy bell notification that pops up beside it, please do so that, so that you can stay in tune with uh, with what we're publishing. We, we put out at least two, sometimes three, sometimes four videos on YouTube a week. We have two episodes that come out on our podcast, Catchers, and on YouTube every week as well. And so if you subscribe, um, you're not only helping boost our channel, but you are staying in tune with uh, what we are putting out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Just one thing that I like to highlight. Cam and I just started recording a new series called Storytime with the Guys. It's where we sit down, we have a drink, um, for Cam, it's scotch. I crack open a beer and, uh, and we just hang out in our studios and we tell stories from our time in the movement. Uh, you know, we've been in the movement for a long time, Cam, for over a decade, myself for six or seven years. And we have a lot of stories of interactions we've had on the streets. Um, but there's only one thing. You have to be a patron of the pro-life guys. You have to partner with us financially to get access to that content. And you can do that by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash guys. There are perks there in terms of merch as well uh, and of special content. So do consider joining us, not just so that you can receive the cool merch and the perks, which are awesome. And I always love things like that. But you're also helping us create good content to go to the world. We have listeners across the world. We have people reaching out to us from various places across the world, including places we've mentioned uh, in this podcast. I've talked to people from Ireland. I've talked to people from Argentina who listen to the podcast, which is super exciting. And uh, and your partnership with us helps us to continue create good, creating good content and helps us to continue reach, to reach more and more people with information about the abortion war and apologetics that they can use in the conversations that they have. So do consider becoming a patron of the Pro-Life Guys, patreon.com slash Pro-Life Guys. Check us out um, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever you do your social media as well if you want to reach out to us. And you can also find all of our content on our website, prolifeguys.com. Thank you again for tuning in to The Pulse. If you have any feedback, if you have any thoughts, if you want to reach out to us just to say hello, please do that. We love hearing from you. And we hope you tune in again next time. God bless you all. Mm -hmm.